Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. Hope everybody had a good holiday out there. We are also waging a war on Christmas, so we're not wishing you a Merry Christmas. We are refusing to say the word Christmas because <laughs> we are trying to destroy the West and destroy the Christian identity. So fucking eat that, motherfuckers. Eat that, dude. Um, so how have you been, Abby? How was I, mean, your... I mean, aside from like the hyperbolic conservative mantra about war on Christmas, we literally are like waging a war on the birth of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of just, it's just ironic on so many levels, honestly. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Palestine related stuff, but closer to the end of the podcast, because um, it's probably the of the more somber topics that we have on the lineup today. So, we thought we'd start with something a little more light and um, not not completely light because it's still probably going to make us angry to talk about. But <laughs> um, I guess I'll start with the lightest subject, um, like recent controversies and news that's been just kind of happening. I, I'd say there's a new escalation in AI controversy and news that is happening right now um we're just about to hit 2024 and right i'd say like the week before christmas um ai music generators became uh, basically accessible as like a mass marketed product an iphone app came out um a couple other products and different companies started like rushing to announce their stuff at the same time and just like I expected and predicted, a lot of people's reactions to it were extremely, let's just say reactionary, ranging from people saying this is extremely disturbing, unsettling. I can't believe how good this already sounds, uh, you know, and like this is going to destroy like a lot of like musical careers or people, you know, it's going to take away jobs. The same argument that we heard, which is somewhat valid about the AI art generators, like the still image generators. Um, but and also reactions like nobody's ever going to listen to stuff like this because everyone wants to feel like it's created by a human and have a connection to the human artist and the composer. And I think only really the first reaction that I brought up is valid. The second one I think is completely naive. I think that it is already happening where there are ambient music generator like apps for the iPhone that aren't even using AI where people like say, if you want to listen to just relaxing music and you don't care who made it, you don't care what genre it's in. Um, like, you know, there's a genre of music for that. It's called ambient music. But if you're not like a music nerd or really want to research what to listen to, a lot of people are just going to start listening to like music on demand. That's like generated in real time. 
I mean, there'll, there'll always be a role for artists or pop musicians and things like that. But there are going to be a lot of people who just are like, I want to listen to jazz in the background. And it's not just going to be a curated playlist. It's going to be generated. Um, I do think that is going to have like a role in the entertainment sphere in the future. Like it's costless to be able to like have mute, like licensed music. Um, that is a, that is, you know, and unfortunately capitalism, the way it drives things is if AI generated music costs virtually nothing and you can use it in commercials, use it in whatever, then that's going to, there's going to be a market for that. Like the compared to generating like a bunch of, uh, you know, song background songs for a commercial versus like hiring composers or paying people to license their tracks. It's just, the cost will be so much less. So that is a scary thing that I think is is going to really take people by surprise soon. But get ready for AI-generated music. And I don't mean like, you know, um, AI-generated lyrics and all that stuff. There's all sorts of ways to customize this stuff. You can write your own lyrics in whatever genre you want. Um, you can even make songs in the style of, or not even in the style of, but actually sing and have it convert it to like Taylor Swift or Kanye West using AI voice morphing. This shit's just getting crazier and crazier every day. So that's, I mean, that's, I guess, my two cents on what technology is is dropping right now. I mean, also video generators is also, you know, people are talking about how it's going to destroy the film industry and all this shit. I, I think that that's pretty, sh that's not going to happen for a really long time. But it's already pretty wild that you can generate video clips in HD quality um, that look photorealistic. And that is, and that's all AI generated as well. So, um, pretty wild things are occurring. Uh, but then I guess the co other controversies that are happening is there seems to be more and more lawsuits incoming. Um, open AI got hit with a lawsuit by the New York times and by a bunch of different publishers, uh, George Martin, George R. Martin, the guy who made game of Thrones was one of them. Some other, a handful of other like famous New York times, bestselling writers did a joint lawsuit against open AI for plagiarism because OpenAI has essentially trained ChatGPT on all of the text on the internet. So that includes things that are just on the internet that are copyrighted works. And apparently, I guess the New York Times lawsuit was based on them being able to get a response from ChatGPT, which plagiarized almost an entire like five page long New York Times article, except for like a couple sentences changed around. So it's like, if you're able to get it to do that, and a lawsuit goes through that's able to like say that you can't do that anymore and it sets a precedent, that's probably going to, you know, change a lot of the, the way that this evolves over time. But even still, like if if you have access to these training sets or if any of them leak, like let's say even open AI Hold on, hold on. How did it how did it repeat a plagiarized article, like Some, a five page because I thought the whole thing was just it was totally randomly pulling from like the entire That's what it's of the supposed internet. to do. That's what it's supposed to do. But sometimes it can get into these, you know, it's just like, yeah, like any, a rab, like a, yeah. If you're not, if you're making something like, let's say if you're making a computer program that's using that, that's able to generate that much, like slightly randomly generated information. Uh, I feel like it's, it's probably very hard to rein it in. I mean, when I say rein it in, I mean, like, it's probably like, that's like a very, almost like natural version of it like not really glitching but just 
maybe that it just sometimes it doesn't it doesn't know to randomly shuffle things around too much you know mm-hmm. like it, it'll mess up you know that's a way to obscure the sort of the plagiarism especially if that's it was happening. a direct question that related to like a specific article then yeah then that's but then that's technically okay because they it now allows you to search online so you can use it to ask questions about things that are on the internet which is a new feature that was added very recently but i think that that aspect of it seems highly censored like they don't mm-hmm. like you can't point it to a porn web page or things like that and ask it to describe it you can't point it to like an article that's like extremely opinionated about like Palestine or something. It won't, it won't let you do stuff like that. Um, but what's fast, I guess a weird, fascinating insight that I saw sometimes chat GPT will actually have a crash where you can see the commands that it's being given underneath the layer of like what it's showing you that it's writing. So for example, when you type a question to chat GPT, there's an underneath other version of ChatGPT that's operating almost like to talk to it, like it's co- like it's trying to steer it in real time. So it'll change your question to something that ChatGPT understands better. It'll try to analyze your question and then reword it for ChatGPT. And then if ChatGPT doesn't give it an adequate response, it'll even correct it behind the scenes until it vets it. This is actually something that's very common with AI generations. So this is something very common with AI generations in general is uh, a lot of AI things. Like, for example, there's an audio generator called Audio LDM. It's open source. And what it does is it generates what it feels are the best candidates out of many generations. And it self-selects based on like an algorithm, which audio clip it's generated that is the best match for your prompt. So behind the scenes underneath ChatGPT, it's generating several different responses. And there's like an another AI that's basically deciding which response matches your question the best. Now, what's fascinating is um, you can actually sometimes see there's a crash that it experiences where you can sometimes see that underneath layer. And what's really almost creepy about it is the underneath layer that you sometimes see is a dialogue that ChatGPT is having with itself, like different wings of an AI chatbot trying to steer itself. So it'll it'll talk to itself by saying things like, no, that is not at all, like in capital letters, what you were supposed to respond with. You need to do it this way. Please do not do that again. And that is what it's ta- that's how it's talking to itself internally to give you some kind of insight into how like random it is like if it need if it needs to send commands to itself that sound like you're scolding a child like that is kind of creepy like that's not it's not a sentient ai but it almost shows how like unwieldy it is if you if the only way they figured out how to steer it is to be like to talk to it like it's yelling at it like when that i re- was also generated by a human to do that right no well it's coded to generally do that, but it's also being steered with its own AI to do that. So the way it's talking, it's probably almost like giving a, a more limited version of ChatGPT that only has one purpose, which is to steer the responses of ChatGPT and to talk to it very sternly when it needs to. Like it's mm-hmm. probably giving those specific instructions. So it was almost odd to watch it because I was like, I don't even talk to ChatGPT this way. Like I have a weird sensitivity about like tr- like talking to a, a chat GPT like like it's a child that needs to be like punished 
but but some but that is how that talks to itself, which is just utterly bizarre. Um, and this is just something that someone screen captured from it crashing one time, where it showed how it was talking to itself behind the scenes. Um, but anyways, I mean that's enough about ChatGPT. But basically, this is there's going to be weird lawsuits. A lot of people are going to be trying to say that they're stealing their data. Midjourney CEO um, just admitted on like a live interview that he plagiarizes um, Grok, which is X, you know, Twitter's new version basically of ChatGPT. They have their own version now. Grok is by design, according to Elon Musk, supposed to be anti woke. It's not a chat, it's not an AI that's affected by the woke mind virus, as he says. And already people got Grok to say Elon Musk is a pedophile. Like his own, his own nice. chatbot has said, like, we'll give that response. So, um, and so it's just fascinating. That it's like, yeah, you can train a AI on anything you want, including if you wanted to, you could train it on 4chan and have an AI basically behave like a fucking incel, you know, monstrous person. Um, you could have it do that. And so anyways, um, I guess to end this, this, this little uh, update about where AI is at right now, Elon Musk in the same one hour long appearance where he told the advertisers to go fuck yourselves. Like he was all, you know, he seemed like high on something. Maybe he was coming off like ketamine therapy. Where was this? It was being interviewed by that guy. I think his name is like Ari Melber. He's like a Mm -hmm. NBC news Mm kind of lackey. And it was an hour long live interview right after all the advertisers pulled out or that you know threatened to pull out right after he went to do that weird groveling, disgusting tour with Netanyahu, that propaganda tour, and he was wearing the dog tags uh, of one of like the kidnap victims or whatever, um, you know that the IDF gave him during this interview. But you know, other than basically acting like he was high and like he was some kind of rebel rebelling against the establishment, even though he's literally still the richest man in the world, uh, there's a couple times where he like basically interrupts the interviewer the interviewer is asking him like pretty mundane questions for the most part he only kind of challenges him about the advertisers thing and says like well don't you think this is because like your own behavior that like you caused this and stuff and elon Musk kind of you know he's just not very he just seems weird like he's not he just doesn't seem like a rebel or that he's actually um like he doesn't have that trump swagger let's just say um but during this, the end part of the interview, he keeps like basically interrupting the interview and interviewer, not letting him finish his questions and saying, and he repeats this concept in different iterations, like three times. He says, oh, he's like, well, none of the questions you're asking me matter right now because none of this is going to matter when, when we get digital God. He's like, in three years, two, three years, we'll have digital God. Like everything you're asking me right now is not going to matter because all you want to know about is digital God. And the guy's like, what is digital God? And he's like, he's like, oh, it's like digital God. Like when, like we basically like make like the AI that's basically going to make yeah, every human look dumb. Everything's going to yeah. be just, yeah. But I guess the only flip he side. He thinks that he already is that. That's what's so I mean, funny. Yeah. I mean, the weird, the, it just goes to show you how wacky these, these rich people actually are. I mean, I just did it recorded a, a two-part episode about UFOs where some of the people who funded some of this UFO research were like Silicon Valley billionaires. So just because you're rich does not mean you're intelligent, does not mean you can predict the future. 
But I guess the only creepy thing that's not not really based on what Elon Musk said, other than his seeming excitement about the a digital god, um, was is Ray Kurzweil, a guy who I've criticized in the past for kind of being you know a hokey, like AI is going to change everything. He's the guy who came up with the singularity. Um, his prediction is that an AGI, an artificial general intelligence that will achieve intelligence beyond the smartest human will happen by 2029. And I almost feel like that's, it's like by 2029, like it's definitely going to happen by 2029 at this point. I think that that's pretty like it's, it's clearer than ever. It's probably going to happen sooner, but that's not the singularity. The singularity means that when like an AI like achieves like a, I, I don't know the, I think it's basically when it achieves sentience maybe, or there's more to it than that. But an AGI means if something has the entirety of all human knowledge and like everything that's ever been learned, studied every bit of science all in one basic like AI program. Um, and once it gets to that level, it is going to be very strange, you know, like there might even be, the ability to solve like scientific equations or, you know, problems that have never been able to be solved before just by the computer having amassed that much, you know, training data. So that is, a, that is going to be a strange thing. I don't know I what guess I always, I guess I already assumed that that was, that existed, that AI was able to accumulate all the data that exists and be able to like be smarter than any human. I guess I'm surprised that we are years off from that. Yeah, I mean, well, no, it's definitely not at that level now. I mean, it's uh -huh. a lot of it's illusory. A lot of it is, yeah. It ha it doesn't really have an understanding of it. It's trying to predict what something well, is. Well, that's supposed what I guess. I, that's yeah. what I guess I mean is that it because it has access to everything yeah. that it can predict. So you're saying that it can go beyond that and actually have so and actually have like a deeper understanding, like like it would probably be. I mean, the way I would, I guess, I would imagine it is if you took like you know, the same power that's trained on just like one of these AI image generators, but gen but trained it just on like one type of science. And then you have, mm -hmm. you spent that much money. I mean, it really does seem like right now it comes down to money. Like open AI spent something like 40 billion on, I, I don't know what they train. Maybe it was less than that, but like, that's how much it costs just to train the weights for their, their type at the level they're at. Um, and that is part of why they've been so popular is because they've they managed to basically raise enough money to do that. You know, it's not like they invented the tech. They just kind of put it all together before anyone else at that level. Um, so it's weird. But yeah, I mean, if you're not following this stuff, you might have the impression that it's already at that level, but it's not. It's I guess what I'm saying is get ready for things to get much, much stranger and and if and it and I think it it behooves people to actually follow this so that they're not taken off guard when things get really fucking weird. I don't even know what what I mean by really fucking weird. I just mean that I feel like for a lot of people it's going to be like a rug pull when they realize like how advanced this stuff has gotten. Like mm -hmm. just behind the scene. Like it's yeah. Gonna... I mean, I brought up I brought up just mid journey because that's where I'm still like at. Um, I haven't gone, I mean, you've gone just exponentially off the deep end with AI and been, you know, going really deep into this stuff. But I just mentioned like the basics, you know, like AI image generation. Mm -hmm. And my friend was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, that like, it it's, is so far off 
people's mm-hmm. radars that aren't even like really in the online world that just have like normal jobs. Yeah. I think it is going to be like a very shocking unearthing of like a whole other world, man. And this is going to happen really soon. It's and it's already happening incrementally. I mean, yeah. you already see like it was really interesting when Dolly 3 came out, which was OpenAI's like newest kind of product launch or whatever, where it's all these like regular people who are not using AI images are just making like silly shit posting pic- memes of like Drake, you know, as Carl uh, Marx and like all like mm-hmm. Drake became a theme where people were even trying to make like October 7th memes where it was like showing hang gliders like flying into music festivals and like it it was it was one of the first times I saw where I was like, oh, people like regular people are starting to see the fun in this and actually like just starting to use it to do fun and silly things, which, you know, I think that that it's, it's a novelty, but at the same time, like that's how it's going to start, you know, like little kids being able to make their own silly songs that talk about pooping, you know, like on these AI song generators. If I had something like that when I was a kid, I would have been, I would have, I would have been just as obsessed with it then as I was now. If I, Mm -hmm. if this stuff was made accessible to like a child, you know, like I was telling you, like they have things now where you can draw on an iPad and it, and it converts it to stable diffusion uh, draw, art generation in real time. Like you, it's in, basically in real time now. People are already making um, like sound visualizers for like live shows, live music shows that are generating AI like sound wave imagery, you know, like based on like, so that's how fast it already is. So that's a huge step forward too. Um it's it's just gonna get weirder and weirder. I mean, so yeah, if you're if you're weirded out by technology or you're jaded about technology being stagnant, I mean, you probably just are not paying attention to what's going on in AI. Right I mean, now. I don't I don't really want to keep talking about yeah. this because, but I but I do want to say something about the first part of what you said about how people have the tendency who don't really understand or are, are not embracing the technology to kind of denounce it in a way that does reveal that they are scared and don't understand how it is it can be used as a tool for artists you know because they just kind of look at ai and they're like they just reject it on principle it's like this is this will never have the same soul i don't ever want to embrace this and it's like this is a tool this is an incredible tool and also if it takes us back to that egalitarian nature of what uh, you know, like in in a hyper capitalist society where everything does have a price tag, and you and you have to have millions of dollars to access stuff like this, like in your movie, the thing, mm-hmm. like that AI is something that is approachable, and brings us back to that egalitarian nature where we can access things and create things where we don't need an insane amount of money to do things like what you did. So I don't think people really realize that. Um, And also, it's very stupid to say like, oh, I only listen to music. It's like, no, you fucking don't. And and you'll never know the difference, (laughs) especially if it's just like random, you know, like um, lo-fi or whatever. It's like no one gives a shit. (laughs) One of my favorite musical acts has been trying to correct the record for like 20 years because they used to say in the 90s that they use like randomly generated like patches on, on you know software patches like oh, make music sad. with and like people there was this weird shunned. backlash where people were like oh yeah that sounds like they just like randomly generated that and like even me i was one of the early adopter of like randomly assisted you know programming music 
And a lot of people that I would show stuff to that I would make or that I would sort of explain it to, they would like, they would almost have this arrogant point of view, like, oh, well, you're just like randomizing something. Like you didn't, you didn't really manually put that in. Like I like to manually draw everything in and like do everything manually by hand. And it's like, yeah, but like now, and it, what's funny, Abby, is now 20, like I'd say 15 years after that, all these music programs now have random that. elements yeah. in them. Of course. All those same people who had that attitude, like they all just used casually, like it's just... Oh yeah, like of course I use that. So well, I mean, it's like the photo- it's like photography and graphic design now. It's like no one's. I mean, there's still obviously going to be a love for photography, and that's always going to be revered as something that is an original art form. But it's not. But you can still like adapt and do all of this shit digitally too. But it's like that doesn't take away from their original form of photography. So I feel like art and music we're never going to get away from people producing this stuff and performing it and and showing gallery displays and having like a personal element to do that but it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy how crazy this shit is going to be ai generated i mean i'm i'm fucking here for it man i'm super here for it i'm excited the egalitarian thing you're saying is interesting because kind of it almost reminds me of the beginning of when we first discovered the internet where it seemed like you know after ao after you break out of the chains of aol you're like oh shit the internet just like it's like a fucking like free speech like crazy anything goes you could find anything you could read about the craziest shit like this is amazing like that's and that to me was this like utopian future that it's like this is almost gonna like be like a very liberating free thing for everybody to partake that's what's so scary about it is that you see where it could go in terms of stifling that because yeah no it has the potential for that so it's and so you have to be careful about it's like all a lot of the stuff is really surprisingly open source like there's a website called hugging face that's sponsored by major corporations and these big silicon valley um like what do they call like those funds that you know fund silicon valley Mm -hmm. companies and it's all this open source shit that just seems like it's crazy. They're just giving it away to people. But then part of me is like, in the end, it's ultimately, it is, they're, the corporations and the capitalist system is going to figure out a way to... They're, yeah, and these people are too old who are legislating. They're going to figure it out sooner or later, and they're going to shut it, shut down like all the good aspects of it, which is going to be sad. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably mostly worried about the speech aspect of it because it already does blur the line between like things that could be considered highly unethical, like being you know even just what I'm doing with like horror imagery, being able to make uh, very realistic still images or videos of like people being like murdered or killed, you know, for a horror movie is that is just an interesting premise in its in of itself. I mean, to do something like that with graphic design normally i would have to learn like cgi i would have to learn all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff mm-hmm. spend years of my life learning how to make that to actually like make someone feel like they're watching a horror movie and now i don't you know so it's it is it is pretty strange but digital god baby digital elon god was coming. right dude elon was right <laughs> um speaking of digital god uh so tucker carlson I don't know if you've heard this already, Abby, but he's launching a new network called the Tucker Carlson Network. So I don't know who he's going to have on it. It'll be very fascinating. I'm sure it's going to be just the same type of motherfuckers you would expect. However, maybe with a more conspiracy dabbling in the the more crazier conspiracy stuff than, than you would expect too. Like, because Tucker Carlson is now actually 
he brought on David Grush on his show. And for the people who don't know who he is, you can listen to the other UFO episodes um, from Media Roots this month. But he brought on David Grush on his, his new X show. And he actually, at some point in the episode, it goes off into a very bizarre religious direction. And he says that he thinks that aliens have always been here. Uh, Wait, Tucker says this or David says this? Tucker Tucker actually goes further than David Grush in the interview, which is fascinating. He says, first of all, he endorses every single thing David Grush says. Every single thing, mm-hmm. without question. And David Grush, you know, says... Gloves we have, are off, baby. This is Tucker. We have alien Unfiltered. bodies. Finally, we can see. <laughs> yeah, we have alien bodies. We have nine yeah. UFOs recovered. <laughs> this is the type of stuff David Grush is saying that Tucker's endorsing. But then Tucker starts saying... Um, there's another spiritual dimension to this that I strongly believe in. And at first it's sort of like, what does he mean by that? Right. It's like kind of unclear. And then he says um, in the same interview that he was told some very, very dark things from insiders. He's claiming Mm -hmm. regarding aliens that he can never tell anybody, not even his wife. Too bad. So that's so so after that came out there started to become this sort of almost adjacent to QAnon narrative that was like what does Tucker know That's so weird that he's was, just revealing that on his network he's like look I know shit that my wife can't even yeah, know Yeah yeah like, yeah well, maybe you shouldn't be talking about this So then. it sounds and when I'm watching it I'm I'm not thinking Tucker's putting on a performance he's doing an act my thinking is someone has been feeding him stuff that has made him his brain go very really? elastic Yes, at a logarithmically shocking rate. Like, like he does seem like he is absorbing more conspiracy narratives and doing things that are mean to me mean more than just trying to appeal to this audience or capture this audience at this point. And I'll say why. I'm going to say more because it gets weirder. He was interviewed by Tim Pool at the Turning Point USA convention. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so you had it on David Grush. So like, tell like, what do you think about this whole UFO thing? He repeats the thing about there's a spiritual dimension to it and how they've always been here. He brings up the Vatican and how whoa, they... Whoa, wait. B- unpack this for me. You can't just like flippantly be like, he says there's a spiritual dimension. Like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? Okay. Like, what is he saying? It, well, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. There's, there's stuff underneath what he's saying that he's not saying in the David So he Grush, just like casually is just like, there's a spiritual dimension. A thousand percent. <laughs> and part of it is because in the David Grush interview, oh, they, he asks, he's like, so why does the Vatican have like a program where they're like studying UAPs? And David Grush's like, yeah. <laughs> They do, and uh, and Tucker's like, and isn't the antenna or the the um, the observatory called like Satan or something like that? And like, <laughs> and so they, so it seems like Tucker is either hinting at the fact that the Catholic Church are working with demons, or that they know things about whatever you like aliens are that, and they're like protecting us, or some some variation of that. But or they're just like collaborating with the deep state, like they're in, like the Pope is in with the fucking deep state. Something to that effect. Pick any of those. I'm not sure which one it is. But then Tucker. Why is it that like all these people are just like a hive mind? It's like Tucker almost seemed interesting for a second because Uh it was like we couldn't pinpoint what the hell was going on with him. But now it's just full bore. It's same exact shit. It's like, okay. It's like like all of a sudden he's become a sponge (laughs) 
for every like conspiracy <laughs> narrative there is. Oh, and it just uh, as a tidbit, oh he also s- was asked recently, what does he think about Flat Earth? And he's like, you know what? We've been lied to so much by the <laughs> by the establishment and by the deep state that at this point, I'll, I'll believe anything. <laughs> so, so I don't know what's going on, but let me just say a little bit more about oh, the UFO shit. thing. Tim Pool. Wow. In front of an audience of thousands of people, uh-huh. Tucker Carlson repeats the spiritual dimension to it. He repeats the idea that aliens have always been here. Mm-hmm. And then he says that there are forces in our lives and within us that we cannot explain on a daily basis. Sometimes these forces compel us to do things that are against our better interest. And sometimes it puts us in places that almost feel like we've been destined to be there and he's like i believe there are forces beyond what we understand that are that are guiding these things and that it may have something to do with this and he i don't know if he doesn't put so the words together like, exactly like yeah. this but that aliens right are actually demons or that they are the forces demonic forces that make us do things that we should not like that are amoral or that are against our better nature i mean at a certain point, it's like, yeah, why is that so hard to wrap your mind around? If people are literally believing like angels and demons and it's like, OK, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, why? Why? It's like, uh, OK, I guess it's not a leap to think that, you know, aliens are demonic forces and that they've That's been totally shaping true. our reality. It's like, OK, like there's billions of people on this planet who actually believe in like crazy, supernatural, religious, fundamentalist percent. philosophy. So it's like, okay. So it make it would make, you're absolutely right. It makes sense if someone is already sort of on the right side of the spectrum. Apparently Tucker is only recently, has become is really Catholic. Catholic? Apparently yeah. only recently he has been. Really? So that's what I mean by like the elasticity. It's like, is he just mm. going to this hyper open-minded, el- elastic brain sort of trajectory, you know, because of combination of religion you know, I don't, I don't know. It just, it's very fascinating to watch, but you're right. On one level, it's also like, well, of course that someone who's religious might, would see it that way. And that does line up because Harry Reid, one of the, you know, I think one of the only Mormons to serve in the Senate, a member of the Gang of Eight, is largely responsible for all the UFO rollout shit that we've seen. Like, he is the genesis point for how this stuff penetrated the mainstream the way it did. And that's a whole other story. But- that totally... Cracks, it does, and Mormons have wha- Mormons have wackier beliefs about religion than Christian. They just do. Oh, of course. So it's like angels and demons, aliens, and the Native Americans seeing the lost Israelites, and they were cast out by God and made their skin made darker because they sinned or whatever. All that shit. Mormons believe all that shit. So. Yeah, watch Under the Banner of Heaven. If, no, sorry, but if it's, anyone's listening that's in Mormon, the <laughs> Mormonism is really no, nuts. It's, <laughs> it's true. I mean, I mean, so Harry Reid basically found a way to funnel money to like UAP scam, you know, like UFO scam shit in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what's just so fascinating about this is it's like, at what point, you know, it's kind of like during the Trump era, it's like, at what mm-hmm. point do we, are we like, Oh, the right wing would never accept this person because it's like, you know, like that goes against all the shit they've been saying about this. But then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that person isn't with the right. Like they don't even care. Like Andrew Tate is one example mm-hmm. of that. He's like mm-hmm. a pimp who sex traffics women and he's like a hero to the right. So Tucker Carlson brings on, on Christmas Eve, I think um, Frank Underwood, 
or sorry, Kevin Spacey in character <laughs> again as Frank Underwood for an exclusive one hour long interview. Just about his character on House of Cards? It's like a nonsensical stream of consciousness bit. It feels like an hour long SNL bit that's not funny where it's like, why? And it's like, what is the bit? Why is Kevin Spacey still playing Frank Underwood? How Wait, is that I even a bit? People really quickly. I need to remind people of this because it is one of the most shocking things out of the whole Kevin Spacey Me Too thing was when he molested Richard Dreyfus's son in the same room as Richard Dreyfus when he was practicing lines with him. And Richard yeah. Dreyfus's son was, I think, like 17. Yeah. And he was literally like he fondled his fucking balls. Wrap your mind around that because I see people defending Kevin Spacey now being like he was never charged, I guess. Like he was accused by all these people. He was never formally charged. Yeah. He never did any Like nothing ever really well, came Well, several it, but people it's like, literally died right, in strange what? ways that it's like, <laughs> is he like, is he, a, is he like a warlock who like on? managed to like telekinetically like murder all his victims? Because I don't see how he could have been behind it, but it is weird. One of them committed suicide. One of them died in a car wreck. Um, maybe I'm only, maybe there's only after? two. This is after the accusations came so, out. Yeah, that's so crazy. And I don't know which ones line up with the charges, the actual like criminal right, charges. Right, right, yeah. But there were civil charges that didn't get like followed through on because of that. So, um, it's fucking. It's just weird. It's like this guy is a. There is there is another right wing narrative that I guess the right wing narrative became. Um, what is Tucker trying to? What is he trying to signal to us? This is like there is like an a decode here that oh, we don't nice. understand. It's like the new Q. I mean, kind of. Let's do it. I saw what somebody. De- what is he trying to tell us? I let's, saw a viral <laughs> viral tweet that got something like ten thousand likes. That was like, look at the pillow, and it was like a zoomed in <laughs> close up of the pillow on the couch Kevin Spacey was sitting on, and everybody was like. I guess it kind of looks like the pedo, like spiral, <laughs> like blue spiral thing from like Pizzagate. But what are you, what are you trying to tell us? Oh, oh my god! It's and, just like Greta Thunberg with the octopus toy meander, yeah. and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Wait, I think you're, you're gonna get a kick out of this. Wait, hold on. Let me, I gotta find you this tweet because it's so goddamn funny what someone said. Hold on. Oh my god. Um, oh my god. Okay, so oh. this is this is it. Okay. Uh, this guy named Joe Rambo, who if I actually want to follow like a one of the wackier, more Biggs. fun Q and no, it's not Rambo Biggs, just a random like QAnon <laughs> wacky account. But this is great. Um this guy says the rabbit hole gets deeper. This Tucker interview is just full of comms. Follow each video. Tucker never said his name, however, did say he addresses everyone on Christmas. So they pointed at it all being a show. They pointed at it all being a quote. House of Cards. Oh. Now listen to Frank speak on Christmas five <laughs> years ago, just as Tucker pointed at. Do you get the feeling the truth will be revealed? Are we watching... I don't even know what the fuck this means. D-class, <laughs> like in caps, D-E-C-L-A-S, finally reached the masses. Hold on to your asses, friends. 2024 is going to get crazy. It's, so it's basically making the argument that the reason Frank Underwood is appearing on Tucker Carlson is to warn, basically, like, let the deep state know, like, your house of cards is going to collapse, <laughs> like, really soon, motherfuckers. And we, we are calling you out. <laughs> like, we, me and Kevin Spacey as Frank Underwood. Yeah, if it couldn't get more coded than that. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Spacey in character as Frank Underwood 
not mentioning anything at all except the pillow behind us uh-huh. and something that I said five years ago. Unpack that, motherfuckers. It's coming. The and storm is coming. Here we go. Let's roll. <laughs> and it even gets um, it gets it, it doesn't get weirder, but it gets even just more theatrical and stupid when Tucker Carlson advertises his uh, his interview with Alex Jones um, by using the clip of Alex Jones allegedly predicting 9-11, like the InfoWars clip from like, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah, that Bill Cooper had already. Yeah. And so it's like a total conspiracy dog whistle. It's like Tucker is just up in the Tucker, fucking okay, ante with the 9-11 really conspiracy quick? Okay, shit. This is, okay, last time we talked about this, and you probably have talked about it since, but last time we talked about this, we in the Tucker episode, we did a yeah. two-parter on Tucker, and we talked about how weird it was that, you know, 20 years after he's smearing Stephen Jones mm-hmm. um, and purposefully not showing Building 7 falling, here he is 20 years later, like like going super hard. I mean, in interviews saying, how did Building 7 fall? Why can't you talk about this? And then he's now going farther than, than that, Robbie, not just with this, what you're going to talk about right now, but he's saying, how did the buildings fall? He's, he's saying this all over the place. Really? I've seen this like several times. Wow. He's that like, is- He's like, why can't we talk? He was like, how did the buildings fall like that? How did these twin towers fall See, like that? That That's what's so fascinating about this it's because on what level- unbelievable, dude. You could be like, what does he know? You know, he's, a, he's an insider. It's like, but on the other hand, it's like, it does just seem like he kind of got conspiracy pilled like really late into no, his life. No, he seems like one of these idiots elastic. who's like, yeah, no, yeah. he's one of these idiots gone... like now that we look at like from our alt media world and we're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you buying up all these stupid conspiracies? Like you're a latecomer, dude. Yeah, it's, it's so it be, it is in that weird lockstep conspiracy realm, but you, you do still have to wonder like why, like where is he hearing about this 9-11 stuff from now? I mean, it is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's. it's how is he how is he where is he getting that from yeah but th- i guess that's still what's curious to me is like why that specifically well here's here's is it because of the trump stuff i mean trump put out that bait you know trump was people were smart enough to put out 9-11 truth bait or could it be this could it be that everyone fucking thought that it was weird <laughs> and, and then that, they just didn't talk about it i mean honestly think about it what it, what it's like occam's razor which is ironic to even bring yeah. up now in terms of 9-11 but like literally what is the most reasonable explanation it's that at the moment that 9-11 happened everyone in the world was like that actually makes no sense yeah but sure we'll take it because we're baby brain yeah, empire it happened and, and we, we saw it to, so we have to accept it and that's just the foundation of our reality now and tucker was so embedded in that it's like now 20 years later now that he's like broken out of whatever um and he's like learning about stuff for the first time maybe he's finally being honest with himself i mean maybe but he's also like pretending like he wasn't like a huge part of, i mean that's what he was so instrumental yeah. in like propping up all these yeah listen narratives. to our episodes because that yeah someone asked it's so interesting that you bring that up because someone literally asked me today they were like what do you think about tucker um and his whole like mea culpa on iraq and stuff i was just like if you are that much of a propagandist driving the iraq war there there's no mea culpa level that can absolve you like there's nothing that you can do or say that also, can rid you of your crimes and complicity of what happened. No, because on some level it is theatrical. It's like I of I I believe that he's getting like weirdly conspiracy pilled and like but the level of seriousness and how much it actually like affects what he's doing is probably almost zero. I mean, he literally dined with George W. Bush like last year. So Yeah, no, it's all show. If dude. it's it so it's it doesn't add up and it's like yeah, the Iraq war stuff. I mean, he worked for Bill Crystal. It's like 
yeah, he talked some shit about Bill Crystal over the years, but he's like, barely, there's a lot of other people that he was directly near that he could have talked a lot of shit oh, about. Also, he like, what is he doing about. now? It's like, dude, okay, if we talk, yeah, the Iraq war we could talk about all day, but what's happening now in Gaza, he is horrible on. So I don't give a fuck what Tucker says or does about something that he was complicit in 20 years ago that was the largest atrocity of the modern era because now we're experiencing another probably greater atrocity, honestly. And Tucker is horrible on it. Yeah, I mean. And he's talking about how Hezbollah is going to come through the Mexican border and commit terrorist attacks. So it's like, I'm sorry, if your head is up Israel's ass at this moment, like. All of the neocon slaying narrative about Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tucker Carlson, it's all so meaningless and so contrived, obviously so, that it's like, it's just so irrelevant at this point. Because like we said in a previous episode, the capacity and potential for World War III with this rogue nuclear armed state is just as great, if not greater, than the Ukraine war with Russia. And I want to talk about something and I want to get your... Well, let me just jump in yeah, yeah, there yeah. real quick because... Yeah. I think a perfect example of what you're talking about is like, I'm not in love with him as a congressman. I mean, he's crazy in a lot of ways, a picture photo with his family, with all the, the, the um, weapons, they were all armed, even his like small children. Mm -hmm. But Thomas Massey, the fact that he was the only congressperson to be the only no vote in the Republican party against that bill that was like, stop anti-Semitism on college campuses, even mm -hmm. though like anti-BDS laws already exist to like shut that down already and all that shit. So it, I mean, what does that go to show you? This idea that these people are actually even free speech, I mean, is obviously bullshit. They, you know, and I don't think that they're all bought off and paid for by Israel either. I don't, I don't, I tend not to think that way. I, I do, just do think that the right really managed to capitalize on the fact that the Democratic Party did seem to be itching more for war, you know, uh, at a certain period of time, and they took advantage of that and like took it all the way to the hilt to try to reorient things and make it seem like they were the anti-war party. And of course, you and I always knew that that was a ruse, but the fact that people are actually believing it and believing like Tucker's whole turn being anti-war is like earnest or look what he, the mea culpa he did in the Iraq war. It's like, don't you, do you not understand how like entertainment works? Like, or how like, it's like people they're not, it's not just people changing. It's like these people are entertainers. They're like celebrity entertainers. Right, right, right. Including like the politicians like Trump. It's like, how fucking naive can you be in the end? You know, try to pull, try to de-emotionally invest yourself a little bit and be like, you know what? Shit really is a lot more fucked up than I'm trying to convince myself right now by thinking these people have it figured out or that they're going to help things like it is, I, I just think ultimately it is healthier to not invest anything and any belief in any of these motherfuckers. It's like, you know, like never, never give them an inch, you know, it's like, why, why would you do it? Um, so anyways, that's a total ramp, but let's jump into Palestine. I mean, well, it's a perfect segue because I just saw something yesterday that I think puts into focus just how extremely... I mean, obviously, everything is based on just complete sickening levels of hypocrisy and projection. But this solidifies it more than any other story since this started, Robbie. Because if you compare and contrast, I mean, we were comparing and contrasting Palestine to Ukraine since the beginning because of how, like, you know, obviously, Palestinian resistance is vilified to the utmost degree. But when 
Russia invaded Ukraine, you saw like BBC and Sky News and all these like mainstream media outlets like literally doing like Molotov cocktail training factories like on camera and being like, here's how you throw a Molotov cocktail inside of a Russian tank. Like really ridiculous uh-huh. cartoonish levels of like propaganda promoting to kill Russians or whatever. And like, you know, I, I was in L.A. I'm in like basically the second Tel Aviv and there's fucking Ukrainian flags flooding every street corner. Um, I just saw yesterday that 30 people were killed in Ukraine yesterday, Robbie. That was the biggest Russian bombardment, the biggest casualty count in a single day since Russia invaded Ukraine. Wow. That's fascinating. Can you wrap your mind around that? I mean, yeah, it just it's it just shows the fascinating levels of baked in who we're supposed to support and who we're supposed to rally against. Um, it's cartoonish. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's really not much more to be said about it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, well, it kind of does warrant a, a little bit more discussion because it's like I thought like the Maripol bombing of that theater and like remember all the stories about like the mass executions pulled out of p- people pulled out of their homes and mass executed in that neighborhood. It was like all of these this crazy, these crazy stories for the first couple of months um, that I just I didn't ha- really have reason to question i mean i i questioned obviously the veracity of like the cartoonish nature of of how they were being covered but it was like i didn't question the fact that like scores of civilians were dying at any given point in these specific instances well i guess it is surprising to me that 30 would be the biggest because yeah i guess maybe because i don't have any of the numbers in mind or don't remember them saying numbers and probably in my mind i imagined you know some of these bombings that russia was doing was like anywhere from like 20 people to maybe like 75 people. But I guess now that I'm thinking back on it, I don't really remember reading specific casualty counts. I think it was more about the, you know, the, the spectacle, like mm-hmm. people are in bomb shelters, you know, playing the violin and they're doing like a concert <laughs> under it while the Russian bombardment's happening and all this stuff. It, it was more like that, you know, similar to how Israelis do it, where it's like, they show like how scared they get when there's, when there's like one rocket that goes to the iron dome you know, um, I mean, but, I, I mean, I am, I'm a little taken aback. I guess I'm, I'm just like, I'm a little taken aback at the fact. Look, it's not a competition. Yeah, it's right? not a, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's it not, isn't, it's, not a, yeah. it's not a fucking pissing contest. It's not a competition, obviously, but I am floored at just how egregious it, it is. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Media is like, like, where does that come I, from? Wait, just r- say yeah, yeah, again yeah. where that number comes from, because I'm like, is that, can that possibly be, can, no, the more I think about it, it's like, it's it seems really ridiculous. So where where does the statistic <laughs> come from? The BBC. Okay. The BBC. Yeah. I mean, and and what's funny is the headline is so like harsh. It's like it's like the um, infamously pro Putin BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Moscow takes its tactic of hitting cities and suppressing Ukraine's population to a new deadly level. And it's like, oh my God, I'm shocked that one in like actually almost two years after this war began. Um, Russia, you know, killed that many people in one day because the way that the media has been covering this this whole time and the way that our politicians have been musing about this. I mean, Biden unequivocally denounced what Russia is doing as genocide. Yeah, Biden of course. Did. I mean, it's like, what what do you mean? Well, do, well, <laughs> this, well like this is so... the thing. Did they actually 
what kind, who said that? Did Biden himself say it? Or yes, okay, yes, interesting, yes, yes. and yeah. of course, all the spokespeople being like, when you bomb hospitals, and you know, obviously, all the denunciations of like the civilian um, bombings. But like, I feel like I have to give the obligatory condemnation, which I don't have to, about like Russia. Like people are forced to do about Hamas. I don't. Uh-huh. I don't even want to go there. But it's like we don't have to like belabor the point that bo- like what Russia is doing is horrific. It is seriously shocking to me. It really is shocking to me that there can be such an egregious double standard, like without even batting a fucking eye that two years into the Russia war with Ukraine, that Israel has been bombarding Gaza every single day with like 500, like the whole Great March of Return, right? 213 people executed with snipers. That that amount of people are being killed every day, every day on average. Like, and sometimes up to a thousand people per day in Gaza. I mean, it's so nuts to me. And like all the, all the discussion about Russia bombing hospitals and Russia bombing schools and all these horrific war crimes, right? Like, were the, were they populated? Because in Gaza, they're populated. Like people are actually inside yeah. of hospitals. Like NICU babies are hooked up in incubators. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I think Russia, I think, and part of that is probably because Russia has been just more doing military assaults like they haven't been like carpet you know or like just indiscriminately like collective punishment on the ukrainian people i mean i don't think i think that russia is not as nuts as israel is clearly right not even close i mean whatever people you know the however like the liberals or whatever you know russiagate was all about tried to spin it i mean the weird creepy thing about russiagate is the, it for like two weeks of the Mueller probe investigations? It basically turned into Israel Gate, meaning right, right, right. It all of a sudden became about why are all these like Israeli intelligence people now like involved in this, and why are they asking questions about this? Oh, and then it just goes back to Russia all of a sudden. It's like what was that? Well, like, that was George Papadopoulos. That was, like, that, that was like the that was like the real story. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like who seems like they have more influence over our fucking politics. It's not Russia compared, like, if we're looking at Russia versus Israel, I mean, it's obviously Israel has their shit fucking down to a science, dude. Like, compare, compared to RT, I mean, I'm not saying that RT didn't, like, really make some, like, pretty devastating blows, but, like, Israel just has way more sophisticated way of influencing our political or our politics here. It's anti-Semitic. Yeah, and I'm not even saying like it's anti-Semitic, and that's the thing. It's like there are people who immediately go to this idea of dual loyalty, or even saying that it's the Jews, or why is there so much of an overly Jewish representation in our media? And it's like that's not this. That's not it has in my mind has nothing to do with the Israeli influence. There are there are people who are Jews who work for our media who are also pro-Israel, but I'd say like the majority, the worst culprits all seem like non-jewish to me like they i mean the ones that i see on tv like causing the most damage on a daily basis for the the reporters or you know who do so it doesn't line up with that you know but you know if it did line up with that i would still push back against it you were just listening to part one of a two-part episode with media roots radio hosts abby and robbie martin right after the new year we'll be releasing part two of this episode Consider becoming a subscriber to Media Roots Radio for exclusive content at patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio.
Digital Power. Digital Power.